Welcome to the Basin Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And we are, I guess we have a quick announcement at the beginning. Jess is now pivoting to Jace. It is not a different person at all. So, uh, <laughs> or it well, is a different person, a whole yeah. new person. It's with the same memories. Seven days or something. Or, is it seven days? Seven days or seven weeks? I feel like it's about my years. Seven, seven years. Yeah. I mean, it depends on which cells in in general. I think the stomach lining replaces every couple days or so. Yeah. But some neurons. Your mouth, and, skin cells. Yeah. But. And you, know. you guys thought I would get us off topic. <laughs> Right at the very start, man. Yeah, uh, we yeah, didn't anyway, even... um, I'm trying out Jason, he, him pronouns, and uh, might stick with it. So far, I'm liking it. Excellent. Although, have you had a lot of chance to experiment with it, like, in the real world, since you haven't left the house? Um, I've told my car mechanic <laughs> that that was my name and found it on a farm, which felt cool. Same thing with, uh, nice. like, talking to doctors and uh, psycholo- psychiatrists and stuff, so... A little bit. Nice. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, so I, I've got a... You know, as you correct me if my idea here is wrong of the show topic, we're gonna, or the episode topic, we're going to discuss basically content things that we've consumed for people to enjoy while they're locked at home. Is that essentially the idea? Exactly. We were going to do other stuff, but like everyone is just kind of down with this whole quarantining thing, and it sucks, and we said, let's have a lighter episode about stuff that we've been really enjoying that has helping us get through the quarantine, then maybe we'd like to share with our listeners. They might enjoy it as well. Awesome. I've got another piece of like exciting news. Not that exciting, but it's not content-related, so I refinanced my house, uh, what, like three days ago? Congratulations. Signed the the refi loan for 1.1% less, I think. Oh my god, that's a lot. Yeah, well, I signed on for four point seven five at the beginning, so now I'm just down to reasonable. Yeah, congrats, man. But that is like two hundred bucks a month, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And it's not that difficult, right? No, it was super easy, barely an inconvenience. <laughs> if you all... have a mortgage, now's a great time to refinance. Yeah, all I did was respond to an email from my lender, um, which I guess I should mention. I guess I don't know if they. Uh, I doubt Cherry Creek Mortgage does outside of Colorado, but I have no idea. If anyone's in Colorado and is buying a house or want to check with Cherry Creek Mortgage, message Sabrina Carey at, at Cherry Creek Mortgage. She's been great. She did all this stuff for me. She just sent out like an email blast saying, hey, rates are crazy low. That, then again, it took like six weeks to get everything finalized. So this was almost two months ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I'm wondering she's if, great. I've been wondering if this might be a good time to invest in property. It's probably. It, I don't know. I think I'll I wait might a few be. months. Yeah, that's the thing. I was going to be buying a place right around now. Uh, last year, this was my plan. And now, I mean, first of all, I got the whole back thing, which is slowing me down. But I'm also like, I I don't know if I should buy now because nobody, very few people are buying. So it seems like prices are dropping. And oh, yeah. I kind of want to hold off a bit, see if they keep going down or what exactly is going to happen. So, so by, I don't know, it's a weird time. Yeah, by invest in property, I meant like buy a house to live in. Uh, it's not, you're probably talking about buying another investment property. Well, I was, but like, yeah, in, in general, it might just be a good idea to wait another month or two. Cause, At know, least, yeah. For prices to drop another 1% or 2% is a lot when you're talking about several hundred thousand dollars. It's probably as long as... I will need to like get a mortgage and shop around anyway. That's what I was going to suggest, is you can at least look to see what you can get approved for now. Yeah. 
but it's definitely something that if you want to do, you should start getting on because, yeah, like you said, it takes a couple months and yeah, you want to be ready to jump on it once once it looks like it might be turning. Yeah, I have actually <laughs> bought two houses before, which like oh, yeah. is weird to think about. Huh? Well, you haven't you haven't since you moved to Denver, so for me, it's it's a shift. But yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, actually, like, kind of miss working on renovating houses. Yeah, yeah it's me like too. Something that I kind of I really like hated it the first time I did it because. I was working at the video game company very long hours, and then I would, like, leave work, do my 45-minute commute <laughs> back to this house. It would be dark, and then I'd just be, like, in the dark with some floodlights, hmm. nailing down wooden floor. <laughs> it's very so, like, rewarding work, though. It, it is. Uh, I was really like, burning myself see. out on it the first time, and I was, like, so... You know, it was the first time doing it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was looking at YouTube videos. Yeah. But then, like, yeah. now it's been a while since I've done it, and I'm, like, kind of, like, I miss it. <laughs> yeah. After, after like, every week of work, you look around, you're like, damn, I can literally see in the physical world the difference that I've made. Yeah. It's a really cool feeling. My dad's a, well, he, he builds houses. He's a remodeler, but he is also capable of just building houses from the ground up or additions. And he's mm. always said that, like, Actually, like, I love my job. Uh, I get a lot of satisfaction from providing one of the basic necessities of life for people. <laughs> yeah. And that always kind of stuck with me. Is like, yeah, that's probably, like, if you don't know what you're going to, or what you want to do with your life, or what would be rewarding or fulfilling, maybe think about one of those building things. Or It's nice to be able to see the fruits of your labor. I've worked a lot of random jobs over the years, and the ones where, like, you could look at the pile of stuff at the end of the day and be like, that's what I worked on, that's always nice. The job I have now is kind of like that, even if you can't like point at it in physical space. I can at least like I can at least look at it and be like that's what I worked yeah, on you're, today. You're still building things, just yeah. in a virtual world. That's right. I can do it without sitting or without leaving my chair. Nice. Yeah, that's that's the opposite of accounting. With accounting, <laughs> you're doing the same damn spreadsheets every month, just updating numbers. Yeah, at least it has a paycheck with it. Yes, exactly. Anyways. We should probably get started, and we nowadays get started with the sequences, so shall we hit the sequences first? Oh no, I was not prepared. I mean, yeah, we can totally talk about them, just I forgot that we're doing them first. Okay. Uh, so, the first sequence post we have today is called Scientific Evidence, Legal Evidence, Rational Evidence. And it starts with Eliezer saying that suppose your good friend, the police commissioner, tells you in strictest confidence that the crime kingpin of your city is Wolke Wilkinson. As a rationalist, are you licensed to believe this statement? Uh, and basically goes on to point that our legal system would not imprison him on the basis of the police commissioner statement. And there's lots of good reasons for this. But also that that doesn't mean that the police commissioner statement is not rational evidence. And it would be really dumb for you to go up and insult Wolke uh, if you were told this. So mm. the definition of legal evidence is like a special protected class of evidence, but it's not the only level of evidence that people can and should take into account. Uh, he then goes on to extend this to say that science is made up of generalizations which apply to many specific or to many particular instances so that you can run real-world tests and test these generalizations and verify for yourself that the generalization is true without having to trust anyone's uh, authority. 
science is publicly reproducible knowledge of humankind, and uh, it also should be a protected pool of, pool of beliefs that's especially reliable. So it also has a different standard of evidence than just general rational evidence. All this working so far? Yeah, I think so. I think that's been one of the things that even since before I was introduced to rationality, that was uh, a sales point for science because I, in the context of whatever, like high school, arguing with religious people, you know, that was always a common comeback. Well, that's just like you're, it's the same sort of thing. You know, you believe it because Darwin said it. <laughs> science is like, your religion. Yeah. Right. And and like in in all charity, it's not like the dumbest thing to say if you have no idea what either person's talking about you look at someone saying well i think this and i think that well what makes your beliefs more founded than theirs and it's like because i can go verify mine and then they say well because i just believe them because yeah. i believe real strong um it is interesting like most of science is like publicly reproducible knowledge mm -hmm. and yet like i can't reproduce the results of uh you know the 2015 Large Hadron Collider experiments, right? Yeah, yeah. They're theoretically, <laughs> like, y you could reproduce them and get the same results. Um, but yeah, it's if not, I had if I had a Large Hadron Collider, economically feasible, and <laughs> also you might not have the expertise needed to do it. Right. I think I think the important thing is that it's not revealed knowledge. That's the distinction. Like, this yeah. isn't something that, like, oh, no, I was told this through these magic tablets and a hat or in a dream or uh, a waterfall told me or whatever. It's like, no, no, I, I went and looked on this island. I, I measured the beaks on these birds. You guys can all do the same thing if you feel like it. Um, yeah. You cannot it's... reproduce special revelation from God. But right. not only can you reproduce uh, the science stuff, the ways to reproduce it is publicly available so that... People can test it, assuming, you know, they have the, the ability. Yeah, and that gets into the whole <laughs> pet peeve or whatever of mine that, like, I really wish that there was more prestige to be had from doing replications. Yeah. yeah. But we do have, um, because the scientific uh, pool of knowledge is something that is supposed to be general and apply to many things. Uh, we want it to be a protected pool of belief that is especially reliable and that we impose special strong additional standards before we canonize it as quote unquote scientific knowledge. Uh, so he also then goes on to ask that, uh, like how about this hypothetical statement, the sun will rise on September 18th. Is that a scientific belief? And before we go forward, I want, I want to know what you guys think. Or if you have any opinions on that, is that statement a scientific belief? I'm pausing because I'm hesitant to answer anything with like, put this in square scare quotes and does this fit in this category or not? Um, I would say it is a rational belief and it would, I, hmm. Yeah, you can't, you can't replicate it. Like you could wait and then record the sun rising. <laughs> but the thing mm -hmm. is like, uh, it depends on how pedantic you want to be. Um, like, does the sun rise, or do we go around it? Well, yeah. I mean, basically, I guess, but, meaning, will the Earth continue to turn on the 18th so that it looks like the sun is rising? I think that's a scientific prediction. I don't know what, like, 
to say like I have a belief about the future, um, you could say I'm I predict that on August 18th the sun will the sun will rise, or whatever September 18th whatever day it was. Like based on uh, priors, the sun has risen. <laughs> well, uh, even like as a scientist, you can just put your neck out and say, "All right, I'll bet you ten million dollars that it rises on the 18th of September," right? Yeah. But going by his definition, it has to be something reproducible, which yeah. I'm not sure if that means like a phenomena that you could record uh, or that you have to actually like cause the thing to happen. I don't know. I think that's splitting hairs too much. Yeah. yeah. He did. He basically said what, what you guys have said, that um, the the point of scientific knowledge is that it's generalizable. It's evidence. It's a system of generalizations. And so the whole point is to be able to make future predictions. And if you couldn't, it would be completely useless. But the actual prediction is based on his, um, based on his definition, not a scientific belief in itself. It's a prediction you make from scientific beliefs. And you could say that it's a uh, prediction of this theory but uh, since it is a specific thing rather than a generalization, it's uh, it's more of an experiment than a scientific belief in itself. Which I thought was an interesting distinction to make. Uh, I, I'm i not sure... Ex well, no, I, I do know why that's in there because it relates to the next post, but when I read just this post itself, I was like, okay, that's an interesting distinction and I can buy it. I'm not sure why it's being made here, but sure, why not? But yeah, it seems like a scientific belief is more like a belief along the lines of um objects in motion tend to stay in motion and the earth is rotating so it will tend to stay rotating unless something acts against it and since we don't see anything coming to stop the rotation of the earth anytime soon it should continue to rotate and so the sun should continue to rise and thus we predict on september 18th it will so you know the beliefs are that the earth is in motion and it will stay that way whereas the sun will rise is a specific prediction rather than a scientific belief Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. I don't have I don't have much like to to split hairs there about. It's kind of interesting. Like Sam Harris makes that sort of broad case for science in um the moral landscape, and uh, I guess rather than dive into that, it's worth uh, at least checking out you know some short talk or essay that he gave for about that book, or read the book. It's not that long and it's kind of fun, um, even if you think he's wrong. So it's it's just the I mean, is it like a scientific statement? Is it a scientific question? I was going to go into examples, but it's kind of an aside. So. Well, what was the thing that he said? Like the one thing that you said was the same. Um, well, it wasn't quite the same. It was just more like uh, you get you give a a kind of hashed out definition of like what it means for this to be scientific or not, and then through through his lens, he's like, okay, well, um, because even the the foundation of science comes with like fundamental values like um, uh, parsimony, intellectual honesty, evidence, that sort of stuff. Then why don't we just go ahead and add into that value bucket like suffering is bad and not suffering is good, and then we can like then then it's just a matter of of you know plug and chug to figure out what works in the universe, just like we do with uh, what makes rockets fly, right? Oh, so it's a um, utilitarian argument. Yeah, basically. Um, but like as far as like the little, uh, th uh, they're not even quite 
puzzles. It's just like intuition pumps. It's like, is it a scientific question uh, to ask how many birds are currently in flight around the world right now? Like, it's not one that we can answer even in, like, in practice, maybe in principle. Um, like, well, definitely in principle, if we had a fully working simulation of the planet, then we could just, you know, if bird in flight count in, <laughs> increase one. Um, but since we don't have that, the question is, like, a real question about reality, but is unanswerable. Um, is that therefore unscientific It's like little things like that. So that, that's why I don't like that's anytime I see science and stuff in, in quotes, it, it's kind of just, I sometimes worry if they're splitting hairs, but that's not really the point Elias is making here. And yet I managed to make a non-related point for a minute and a half. So that was uh, kind of related. Uh, <laughs> I was going to, yeah, go on. I was yeah also going to kind of <laughs> rant a little bit about how frustrated I get by the, the fact that we don't really have, like, uh, we don't tend to police the definition of science in the casual parlance as strongly as I would like. For example, every single uh, shampoo or like makeup or oh my god, <laughs> says like scientifically, scientifically formulated to do X. yeah yeah or like with the power of science. It's kind of like um, Rachel sent me this picture yesterday, which has been around for a long time, but it's like these hovering drones and it's some news article covering it. It says they used code and algorithms to make it so that the drones don't crash, in, crash into each other. <laughs> like and what else would they have used? My, my, standard, my standard reply to that is always just like, quote, they used words and sentences to write this book. End yeah. quote. <laughs> I mean, I guess they didn't use bumpers that they attached to the robots. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of an algorithm. If you hit the bumper, go the other way. It's just not one. It's not one that you have to code into it. It's like a Roomba, but like aerial. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how real birds work, right? <laughs> uh, birds are weird. They have like magnetism sense. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Cool ass sense. Yes. Uh, so, on to the next um, post, which is related to this one and to what we've been talking about. Yeah, actually, kind of what the last one was setting up. Yeah. Is molecular nanotechnology, quote unquote, scientific? And did someone else want to drive on this one? I will just point out that I don't know how we took the other ones out of order on the last episode. Oh. I'm totally fine with it because they were great. Mm. But this would have been perfect to follow up with the uh, Chronics episode. Yeah, I was really disappointed we didn't. Yeah, I, Meh, we, they're uh, here now. The new Less Wrong is in a different order. And I think... Um, <laughs> we probably were on the new less wrong and we like hit the next button or whatever. <laughs> Cause yes, uh... if you, if you hit the next and previous buttons, then they go, I believe they mirror the um, AI, AI uh, from AI to zombies. zombies. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, the only way to get them in the original posting order is to go to that wiki uh, page that's linked near the top or right by where our, uh, yeah, apparently right we by where our comes to are. do that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It happens. That's right. They were really I will... like apt for the topic, I think. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's amazing how applicable to many topics most of these posts are. Um, well, nobody knows why this one is applicable yet, so we should get into it. So I'll just answer the question right away: Is molecular scientific? Is molecular nanotechnology? All right, let me try this the third time. <laughs> is molecular nanotechnology scientific? And I'll just say yes. <laughs> Well, that does not at all help us get through the post, though, Stephen. No, no, but I'm but I'm just prepared to like immediately bite that bullet and say, "Yep, 
Well, okay. if I'm a scientist and I say that it's science, does that make it science? Or do I have to put a lab coat on first? You need the lab coat. Otherwise, how, how will people know you're a scientist? Coat. Yeah. Anyway. Like all the people in those shampoo commercials. It's perfect. All right. So it starts with, consider the statement, it is physically possible to construct diamondoid nanomachines which repair biological cells. Some people will tell you that molecular nanotechnology is pseudoscience because it has not been verified by experiment. But, he says, extrapolations of diamondoid nanomachines are based on standard physics, which is to say, scientific generalizations. Therefore, if you say that nanomachines cannot work, you must be inventing new physics. Or to put it more sharply, if you say that a simulation of a molecular gear is inaccurate, you must claim that atoms thus configured would behave differently fr uh, from the depiction. Then either you know of a flaw in the simulation argument, or the simulation algorithm, sorry, or you're inventing your own laws of physics. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I, I can still sympathize with the contender who's like, well, uh... you don't know it would work that way. We've never seen a molecular gear. Yeah, you're right. As I tried to formulate an argument to, to sympathize with, I found myself unable to. Um, well, then the article like, itself, I, they say, what about the Wright brothers attempt to build a non-biological heavier than air powered flying machine? Was that pseudoscience? Yeah. Because all flying machines crashed was always true before that. And that, that's again, so pseudoscience is in quotes here. Um, I I have a, a kind of a knee-jerk thing about putting words like this in, in quotes. It, it, this is done in a, in a well-articulated and, and informative way, but it's like, okay, you're trying to make me make categories and shove things into either one of them when it's like the... I, I think our tendency to do that is kind of um, over-engineered. No, I disagree. Like, I think words having specific meanings is really important. But, like, yeah, I, I, I agree, but if we try and show, like, hmm. I guess I just don't know if, rather than, like, say, all right, which bucket does this go into? You just talk about the thing for a minute first and then decide if it has to go into either of these buckets. Um, or I guess maybe we'll make a third bucket for... Uh, plausible or probable or definitely doable but not done yet um, and then we've got pseudoscience and science right so like the Wright brothers saying no I think our planes will work before any plane has ever worked before is not the same as a charlatan with crystals saying well of course we haven't you know you guys don't believe the crystals have healed cancer yet we haven't seen my crystals yet um Right, but that's because the charlatan with crystals has no scientific generalization to go off of. Like, when the Wright brothers, if they were confronted with this is pseudoscience, they would have said, look, here's the models of physics we're using. Everything should work out. What do you know about physics that we don't know that we're, you know, how are we simulating this incorrectly? Which is the same thing that someone who makes a nanomachine with, uh, simulation would say, like, what do you know based on the generalized body of knowledge we have from science that I am misinterpreting? How am I using this knowledge wrong? Uh, and, you know, so if someone claims that it's pseudoscience, the reason he put it in quotes is because it's not really pseudoscience. It's just science that doesn't have any precedence yet, but it looks like it should be right. Whereas real pseudoscience is like, you know, Dr. Crystal's crystal magic, where he doesn't have any body, <laughs> any body of scientific knowledge that he's drawing on. He's just like, they're crystals, so magnets, well, they, man. Well, they do things with vibes, I think. 
Oh, vibes? Okay, yeah. They they can vibrate differently and make you vibrate different. And there, there's not an actual scientific body of knowledge that supports any of that. It's just bullshit that has a sciencey sound to the words. Totally. And it, it's Which... one of those things, like, I, I think it's easy to just to at least give illustrations that aren't even historical illustrations that would persuade somebody from saying something that like, well, no molecular nanotech molecular nanotechnology is unscientific or cryonics is unscientific because we don't have any proof examples yet. And so like, I, I think it would be informative to give the example of like, well, sure. We don't have any examples of humans um, uh, being able to survive outside of the earth, earth moon orbit. But it seems like a very plausible belief to say that they could survive a trip to Mars under safe conditions. It's not like, but but of course we haven't done that yet. So would it be is that a unscientific thing to say? Um, it it seems kind of like uh, splitting hairs between like the past and the future is the mistake that some people are making when they're uh, throwing future tech that doesn't exist yet into the pseudoscience bucket. Yeah. Yeah, he says that uh, if you decide to make a strong positive assertion that nanomachines are impossible, you are being irrational. You are even being unscientific because an ungrounded assertion that tomorrow the sun will not rise is unscientific because you needless needlessly contradicted the best extrapolation from current scientific knowledge. And if you were to say that nanomachines are unscientific, you would also be needlessly contradicting the best extrapolation from current scientific knowledge. And I think, as you were saying, uh, the same goes for cryonics, that if you are saying that uh, the, these tissues cannot be preserved, what what is making you say that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is actually about cryonics and AI. Um, oh, it's definitely about AI, because that's what all the sequences are about. The first, well, yeah, the first um, time I went to a lesser wrong meetup, I remember getting, like, schooled by the other members when they talked about total brain simulation, or emulation, mm -hmm. and I said that, that that was impossible, <laughs> and they basically had the same argument back at me, where it was like, it, it's very difficult. <laughs> it would be very difficult. We can't, we can't currently do it. That doesn't mean that it's impossible. Yeah. There's no reason to think that it's impossible. And it took me a while of arguing with them until I started understanding i guess that they were t uh yeah like this isn't the way that people casually or conventionally used like the word scientific or and like possible or impossible kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of reused like, to mean like very likely or very unlikely <laughs> like we like to yeah, I mean, we like to exaggerate it could be impossible to simulate a human mind in silicon like we don't know for sure that it isn't impossible but all the current evidence says there's no reason to think that. I was going off of a... I was remembering Ray Kurzweil had said something kind of silly about um, brain emulation that showed that he didn't understand neurons. Mm. I think he said that, like, we can take each neuron and encode it in, like, a few bits, and then we would, it would only need this many bits or something like that. I forget. It was a long time ago, but... Okay. So I was thinking that that was, like, the thing that people were proposing, and... <laughs> oh okay it was kind of an argument that like where we actually had we were kind of arguing about two different things and it took us a while of kind of talking past each other to 
See, that's why I think it's important that words have specific meanings, because yeah, um, yeah, like double crexing on things, tabooing words, or making sure that words are defined, really facilitates uh, communication. Yeah. I think that is the root of many of a disagreement where people are, are arguing about things that they're not actually, uh, they're not, they're not arguing with about what they think they're arguing about. And so they, they run in circles chasing I, down different positions where it's like, no, wait, actually, wait, let's just lay out what we actually believe. Okay. Yeah. That's basically what I was going to say. What are we fighting about again? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I don't know how active you guys are on our discord, but I'm on there a lot, especially now that I'm quarantined and like half the arguments seem to be basically that like people were arguing for the same thing, but using different words and it takes half a day to get there and actually understand there's no argument. And I don't know the, the annoying part is that like, if this argument was done face to face in the real world, it wouldn't be a big deal. First of all, it would go faster, but like people are also kind of nicer and more charitable when they're face to face with people. Whereas online people are more likely to get snippy and like, Oh, you're misrepresenting me on purpose. And that part kind of sucks, and it's just... because you can't I, I really, read tone. Exactly. I want to give a mad shout-out right now to my boy 3 All Men because that dude is notorious on the Discord for steel-manning the hell out of everything. But it's also just, like, a really good habit when you're in online spaces because, yeah, you can't see tone of voice if you're grumpy for some reason, you slept bad, or you're hungry. You might, like, misinterpret things as more hostile than they actually are, and things spiral. What does that emoji and, like, mean? <laughs> Yes. Winky face. <laughs> yeah. A sarcastic like, wink or a playful wink? I'm actually oh, glad you that... son of a bitch, sarcastic winking at me. Joking aside, I mean, I'm I'm so glad that emoji or emoticons or whatever exist. It's emoji. As opposed to not. Yeah, I guess it's emoji now. I, uh, that was a terrible movie. Um... Oh, well, yeah, the movie was bad, but emoticon I use, I use a, a lot of GIFs, word. too. GIFs as well, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Slack is really good at it. Discord's meh at it, but you just type in, you know, the Giphy extension and then find a, an appropriate GIF that relates to it. It's like perfect. The English language wasn't enough, but that small quiet picture is, or quiet quiet movie is. This dancing cat wearing a fedora completely expresses what I was trying to get at here. <laughs> I don't that even. Rounds up my argument yeah. perfectly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yep. This is such an aside, but. Uh, I will be quick. There was this app. It no longer exists. I'm sad. There might be something similar. I don't know. But it was a chat app that you could only communicate with each other in GIFs. And huh. my coworkers and I installed it. And it was really, it was like kind of the texting version of charades. Cool. <laughs> it sounds delightful. It was really entertaining. It was more entertaining than it had any right to be, actually. Which is probably why it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, are we done on this topic? Yeah, the post ends that uh, Diamondoid nanosystems are possible is merely a best guess. It's merely based on qualitative, abstract, approximate, potentially falsifiable reasoning from beliefs already in the protected belief pool of science. Such a guess is not reliable enough itself to be added to the protective belief pool. It is merely rational. Oh yeah, so. and I forgot about falsifiability as well. But yeah, I'd add yeah. that to the list of requirements for something to be scientific. Yeah, replica based on based on facts, something you could observe or replicate yourself, something that would that has ways of falsifying it. Yeah. So uh, these things are not necessarily scientific beliefs, but they are rational beliefs based on the scientific pool. 
All right, so for next time, our uh, less strong posts will be fake explanations and guessing the teacher's password, which is a famous one. Nice. Yeah. All right, getting into the main topic of discussion for this week. Uh, Stephen, what have you been consuming that has made your life more happy in the in the quarantine? Give it to us in five to ten minutes. All right, well, I had another guideline, which was don't fill as many things as I can in the five to ten minutes. Yes, we're going to because... go... We Ideally, we're going to go two things each, but uh, Stephen might have more than two. I, I appreciate you accommodating me. I'll meet you in the middle. I will do... So we're going to do, what, a tur two turns each, right? Yeah, and do one thing in each turn. Or, in your case, possibly more than one thing in each one. I will do two things in each turn, but they'll be related. Okay. So, first one's going to be video games that I've been playing. Um, although maybe this is a bad suggestion, because if you don't already have a Nintendo Switch, they are apparently super hard to get right now. Um, <laughs> I've been playing Hollow Knight. I've been playing the hell out of this game the last few days. It is what's being played for the uh, new Doof Podcast Game Club, where once a month the community will get together and vote on what game uh, Elliot and Ruben have to play. They're the guys who did Deep Impact, which was the packed, uh, basically, we want more, uh, we've got worm style podcast. With delightful and accents. Oh, yes. Australia, being, inexplic being inexplicably Australian is tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is from the Captain Marvel pitch meeting, which everyone should see. Um, so, anyway, Hollow Knight That's is kind of like a. Hollow Knight is like a pitch uh... meetings. He's he's getting around to telling us how awesome pitch meeting is. That's a given. That's good. Not that's not part of my list. If you haven't seen pitch meetings on YouTube, just Google pitch meeting and enter anything you've seen, like a movie or a TV show, probably Game of Thrones. My favorite have a one great is. Time. Yeah, my favorite one is Pitch Meeting Season 8 Game of Thrones. It's a wonderful way to start if you've seen Season 8 of Game of Thrones. And if you haven't, like, it's got everything from, like, Seinfeld to uh, um, Tiger King, that show that everyone has been pissing themselves about the last month, <laughs> which I completely refused to watch, but I did watch the Pitch Meeting for. Anyway, this isn't about Pitch Meeting. This is about Hollow Knight and another video game. So um, Hollow Knight is like a... Uh, basically... It's kind of like a little 2D Dark Souls uh, with a lot more platforming and a lot less like status management. Um, like you're not toxic or poisoned or bleeding or whatever, but it has the same sort of like, all right, great, new kinds of enemies. Oh shit, I got my ass kicked. Okay, well, I start back at the, the bench instead of the bonfire and I fight my way back there and it's a lot of fun and it, it's cutesy. I found a Berserk reference um, and it, it's it's gritty at the same time. It's a lot of fun. So if you do play that and enjoy it, uh, which it's also not just on the Switch, uh, which is why it's a good pick. It's for a lot of platforms. Um, you can check it out on uh, Doof Media's Game Club podcast as well. So uh, they are also doing streams of it. Elliot is on Doof Media, on uh, their Twitch account. So let's see. Next video game is going to be... This one was a tough one. And I had to decide between two, but this one's way more rationally rationality adjacent. And it's uh, Horizon Zero Dawn for PlayStation Ooh. 4. Unfortunately, it's a PS4 exclusive. Um, and I can make my pitch for it really quick. It's uh, pretty. It's got good soundtrack. It's got great voice acting. Um, but basically, the cover art is a girl garbed in like animal furs shooting what seems to be like a kind of robotic bow and arrow at a robot T-Rex. 
and the game extremely well satisfyingly answers the question what the fuck is going on in this picture <laughs> how how could this ever happen and if you're curious it is such a good game the reveal is is slow and uh that there's i it's awesome so i really really love the story and it's one that i have no idea how long hollow knight will take me to beat but uh if you want to crawl through horizon zero dawn it's like 40 50 60 hours worth of game so and you can stretch lots that of time out to much fill. longer if you're like me and you like to just kind of wander around and i do have a ps4 now so i should pick that up i've heard that it I, is like oh, you still haven't played that no, no. Well, I only got a PS4 pretty recently, Not only is and I heard that it's just a really like enjoyable game to play. Like, uh, the mechanics are just really satisfying once you get used to them. But the story is great. Like, yeah, I hear that it's like as rationalist appropriate as like Soma was. You probably heard that from me, yeah. and it is. And I will, I will bring it. I'll bring it to you, and I can leave it in a bag by your door without touching you and hand you oh. the, the game. <laughs> I'll also lend you the other game I have, God of War, which I wasn't going to make a sales pitch for, but which is awesome and everyone should play. Also PS4 exclusive. Um, yes, Jace, what's up? You have... Oh, thank you for remembering. You also have um, PSVR, right? I do. That's the reason I bought it. You can... Wait, Horizon Zero Dawn was? No, no, no. The, the VR is the reason that I bought the PlayStation 4 oh. so I could play Beat Saber. Yes. Um... You can also play Horizon Zero Dawn on VR. Oh, and oh, like get it in 3D VRness. You get it in 3D. Well, it you get it. I don't know if it's not like made for VR, but it just gives. But you, I, like... I would get full three-dimensional. That okay? No, see, you, that sounds you, badass. So, I'm like, so into that. You don't get. What am I trying to say? It, it's kind of like you're in VR space, and you your TV screen is just like very large. <laughs> It's, so it's much more immersive, but like... Oh, okay. Yeah. It, so it's not like... It doesn't like split into two different um, screens for my two eyes, so it doesn't look like real 3D? No. Ah, oh, nuts. Okay. Also, I feel like playing this on a... Like a... Trying to do it like on a 3D emulator sort of thing where like... Like they did with Skyrim. I feel like that would completely ruin the play of this game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's not designed to be viewed that way. Like Skyrim was grainy and... and flat enough to where that already worked this absolutely isn't i don't think but it would be a fun experiment okay. if you can play it with the headset on that sounds like fun so yeah phoenix anyway those the, are my uh, sorry uh horizon zero dawn and god of war <laughs> that also uh, probably make it VR. easier to play while like laying down yeah. if necessary yeah probably oh, hell yeah that sounds amazing now i'm super jealous anyway sounds like a lot of fun yeah so that those are my that's my first uh section what who's up next uh, Jace, would you like to go? Uh, why not you go? Because I'm trying to remember the name of the game that I was going to recommend. Okay. Well, I don't. I guess. I guess we're all doing video games first, so I'll go ahead and do mine because I was going to do one video game and one other thing that's much shorter. Uh, so my video game, because I am about a year behind on everything, I've always been kind of a late adopter for stuff, is Near Automata, uh, which. No, that is not PS4 exclusive, thank goodness. Um, I'm playing it on Xbox. I'm not sure if it's available on other systems, but it is. Uh, it takes place in sort of a post-apocalypse er, post Earth where humans have been evacuated to the moon. There's only a few thousand humans left. They're on the moon. You are an android who is tasked with uh, helping clear the Earth from these alien invaders so humanity can come back again. 
And the thing is, the alien invaders aren't like doom demons or anything. They're like these cute little machine things that just kind of wanted a place for their own. And they aren't... Like, normally you see alien invaders, they've destroyed everything, they're, like, implementing their own industry and stuff. No, these guys are just kind of hanging out, and nature has come and reclaimed, like, a lot of the Earth. When you run around down there, humanity has been exiled for a while now, you're in this major city, and there's trees growing all through, like, the streets and stuff. The highways are collapsing, there's kudzu and all sorts of greenery growing out of these skyscrapers. It is absolutely gorgeous to look at it's a whole reclamation of human artifacts by nature that is just really fun to run through uh the gameplay is fun as well um and it just god it's gorgeous uh speaking on the purely hedonism aspect here i'm going to go out on a limb and uh I don't know, be risque or something, but this is basically an anime in video game form, and so it's got, like, the cute anime girl. You play as one of two different uh, characters, depending on what section of the game you're in, and while you're playing the cute anime girl, she has an amazing butt and a skirt that's just just always, when you're running, kind of lifting up a little bit, and you can almost quite see her panties, and it's very titillating, and every now and then, like, if she slides down a, a ladder somewhere, the, flirt, the skirt fl- flies up a little and you get a panty shot. I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. I feel kind of embarrassed saying it, but oh my gosh, it's 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 eye candy. Um, and then when you play the boy, it's kind of sad because he's also a school-aged boy, but he has, like, preteen body, so there's no eye candy there for the ladies or for the gay guys. I was disappointed on that respect, but... Eh, I, on inequality in eye candy is, is lame. I'm a fan there of are uh, some equal really... opportunity objectification. Yeah, there, there are some incredibly hot guys in this game that are actually uh, legit naked, although the gentalia is gone because they're not humans. Uh, but they are villains that only show up for a little bit. You don't actually get to control them, right? Uh, but uh, all that being said, like, the gameplay is fun. The story is... This is one of these stories where, like, you play through it first, and then it resets, and you play as the other character, but everything is subtly different. And then after the replay, it goes into a deeper like now these all these repercussions of the things that you did happen and um it is a very much like the typical anime storyline where people have existential crises about what is the meaning and purpose of being we are just these androids designed to kill we've never even met our human makers what is the purpose of life it's very much the sort of thing like when you're in college when you're a college sophomore and you don't understand what you're doing with your life or how humanity works or why capitalism and <laughs> and you you have all these questions but no answers and your anime is what you go to because anime is always the exact same thing there's like i have philosophical conundrums but I do not have answers, and I just wish to yell these questions at my audience and have them yell back with me. It is the same thing. And going through that storyline again was, it was really, it was fun. It was nice to live in an anime for 32 hours. And the ending is just the most wonderful meta wrap-up that when I got to it, I was like, this is, I have to tell people about this. This is a great game. So that is my pitch for a fun thing that I've been doing, which I think a lot of people would enjoy. Cool. What system is that for? Uh, I know it's for Xbox. Um, I don't know if it's for any others. Oh, also, the soundtrack on this thing, I know 
people is one of the main things people talk about when they talk about this game, and most games nowadays just have beautiful soundtracks because come on, it's the modern day. Uh, they all should, but the soundtrack on this one is extra awesome. It's haunting at times. It's beautiful. It is, and it's always just perfect for the situation you're in. Uh, it is available on PlayStation 4, uh, Xbox, and on Steam. So yeah, it's available for everything. Sweet. If you've seen any cosplay of, you know, a chick with a short white wig that has black over a black um, eye eye cloth covering her eyes, so it looks like she can't see anything, uh, that they're they're uh, cosplaying one of the characters from the Automata. And you know, she doesn't have to see things because she's an android and has lasers and radar to see her world. So. Makes sense. Her eyes are covered. It's also a metaphorical thing later on, but um, yeah, it's it's cool. I've definitely seen that character in porn and wondered what she was from. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, so I remembered the name of the game I was going to recommend. It's called What Remains of Edith Finch. I just couldn't remember oh, the person's nice. name. Um, that is an adventure game. Uh. It centers on, you're playing as Edith, uh, you're a member of this family called the Finches that have been afflicted by a curse that causes all of the family members except for one to die in really strange ways. And you're coming back to the family home, which is this really uh, whimsically designed, pretty goth-looking mansion that just has all these additions and weird rooms. And uh, the the character's grandmother, I think, uh, before she died in a strange way, uh, boarded up all of the rooms and blocked off all of the family secrets. So you come back uh, as an adult and are finding your way into these rooms that you, in this house you grew up in, but were never able to get into before. Hmm. And when you uh, get each of the rooms you switch to the perspective of the character who died and you get to learn what happened to them and they um each of the stories about the characters who died are done in kind of a different style either like a different art style or like a kind of a different theme or mood so that's really fun cool i've seen some gameplay of that one and it looks cool i've also seen gameplay of near automata and it's also like that one's just like a fast-paced kick-ass have you know have a great time sort of thing what remains of either finch is more of like a yeah it's slow like a puzzle puzzle story yeah but i mean slow paced isn't bad paced it's just it it tells it's more of like a let's walk through a story rather than like let's shoot some fucking robots yeah. um Sounds what's funny like is what i t- missed thing all right sorry what sounds yes. almost like a badass mist sort of thing uh, yeah, kind of. Um, the one thing I'll say about it is that the puzzles aren't very hard. Um, the game's really well produced, and I would describe it as more of an interactive movie. Um, it's still really satisfying to play, and some of the puzzles are pretty fun, but uh, it's definitely not like anything hardcore. But okay. not all games have to be. Um, I really yeah. enjoy the genre of having an interactive movie-type experience, and... I remember there was this, like... Like God of War. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember a few years ago that people were complaining about video games coming out that were in this genre. Like, they're like, oh, they're making video games for normies. And 
I was kind of like, why can't we just have all the genres of games <laughs> and enjoy mm-hmm. them? Because I like hard games, but uh, I liked this one too because it had a really compelling story and it was really spooky. And Yeah, each shit on like gatekeeping video games that they have to be hard to be accessible. Like I've also been playing a lot of Animal Crossing, <laughs> which is the easiest game in the world. Um, it's just, and there's there's no stakes. There's no dying. There's no hit points. You just, you're building a little little island and having little friends. It's great. What's funny, on a quick meta note, I typed in, I was going to type in what uh, what remains of Ethan Finch to see what it what platforms it's on. Turns out it's on all of them. Yeah. But all I had to type in is the word what, and <laughs> Google filled out the rest for me, which is kind of weird. <laughs> That's spooky. Okay. Um, and I kind of want to do what Steven did and split this in two because they're two video games, and they're kind of related. The other one is another puzzle game called Baba is You. Baba is a sheep. I've heard of that one, too. Oh, you played it or heard of it? I've heard of it. Okay. I haven't played it yet. So you should definitely play it. Um, it's a top-down... Uh, how would I even describe it? Like, kind of a retro-styled top-down game where you're just trying to get to a flag. But... The, me- the mechanic of the game is actual words. Like, uh, you have to spell Baba is you uh, in order to control Baba, but if you take the word you and replace it with wall, <laughs> then you turn into a wall. <laughs> or, like, oh. if you do, um, like, wall is defeat. <laughs> if you walk into the wall, then you die. <laughs> so, uh, that sounds amazing. These are, yeah, they're words that you drag around, and it's these are like actually more thinky puzzles. Um, the art style is adorable, and the stuff that happens is hilarious. Like just the the idea of <laughs> this as a game mechanic is wonderful. That is cool. It reminds me of the um, the Anglo physics, the study of Anglo physics story. <laughs> kind of is like that, only in like adorable eight <laughs> bit sheep form. It's got that bit look. Okay, that's that, that sounds those are wild. My together as a package, my first recommendation. And All we're right. back to Steven. And that one's available for Windows, Mac, Linux, and the Nintendo Switch, which means I should probably look into it because I've been buying up games nonstop to justify fill the time your Switch. Here, so. <laughs> no, I I justified my Switch when I bought my first game for it, which is Breath of the Wild. That uh, was worth five hundred dollars to play. So. Oh my god. Um, the Switch is five hundred dollars. It was, I think, 300 I got a memory card. I got, like, a protective case. I got uh, Breath of the Wild with it. Um, and they, I think it came with Minecraft. I think my whole bundle is 500 bucks. Damn. Yeah. I paid $100 but, for my PS4. Yeah, I got mine new, though. Yeah, that's true. Like, for yeah. a pretty long time, the only reason I would ever buy a new gaming console or device is when a Zelda game would come out. Hmm. Yeah, Breath of the Wild is amazing, but it's not on my sales pitch today, so... You don't even need to talk oh. that one up. That's just the best video game ever. I can talk up Horizon Zero Dawn more with it, though. Is that I think Horizon Zero Dawn would have been Game of the Year 2017 oh. <laughs> if it didn't if if it didn't come out the same week as Breath of the Wild. They're like very similar types of game, which is great if you like that type of game. It's like here's two really amazing games in this genre, but unfortunately, yeah, people tended to. Well, that one's a big name because it yeah. has all the series. So they bought that one. Yeah, the releasing at the same time is a bad idea. Yeah, and like I think Zelda is just also like more widely appealing, which just doesn't make it bad. It was it was a great game. It was it was 
better in different areas, worse in different areas. But it was uh, like, anyway, Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, would have been game of the year 2017 without Zelda uh, stealing the spotlight. So not stealing it, deservedly snatching it because it was amazing. So. <laughs> uh, All right, Steven, I believe we are back to you. Okay, well, then this leaves us for, like, I guess, TV and, and movies. So I am struggling to think of, like, stuff that everyone already hasn't seen. So I'll just, I'll name a TV series that I watched that, it, you know, kind of started out on a whim and then enjoyed both seasons. And I think they're only, like, 10 episodes a season. It's called, uh, I had it in my head a second ago. If I'll just describe it, then if anyone remembers the name, interrupt me. It's a Korean zombie um like it's like feudal area feudal era korea and there's a zombie outbreak and it's it's way more compelling than it sounds and it's a lot of fun and it is called oh for pity's sake <laughs> i just had this um i hate when that happens uh well i will have to google it because it's not coming to me so i will leave that one on the wayside and instead pitch the other sh- i think like rather than say here's great things like that you should enjoy because I don't know, whatever it takes a lot of time to watch or something. I'll just describe what I've been enjoying. Um, Brooklyn nine, nine is partway through season six right now. And it's great. If you haven't seen that show, it's a lot more fun than it sounds. When I say it's a cop comedy show. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's really like, uh, it's not like low brow comedy, like, um, uh, like Reno nine, one, one or something. It's just, it's a lot of strong characters, uh, good jokes, um, running gags and that sort of stuff. Uh, but I've, mainly I was going to pitch Better Call Saul, which is almost done in season five. And it's, I think, a good show to binge, especially now because you're trapped. Um, <laughs> watching it week to week over the last few years was kind of a drag because, especially in the first few seasons, there's some where it's like, some episodes where it's it's almost not enough to keep you hooked unless you're already kind of invested. Um but now that you can just move straight on to the next one, it's great. So I would recommend Better Call Saul. And uh, if anyone's not sure, that's a prequel series to Breaking Bad, which you haven't seen that, I would recommend that one first, which is also available on Netflix. And uh, I mean, there's probably no way anyone listening hasn't heard of that show. So I'm not going to give it a summary. What about <laughs> Better Call Saul, though? You didn't really... Uh... I. I guess I'm just describing like what I'm currently watching. Like it, it's so it, it follows uh, Saul Goodman, which is the lawyer that they had in breaking bad. And basically he's just this wonderful shyster. Um, he will manipulate the law, uh, fake evidence and do whatever he can for his, for his clients, whoever they may be. And in the case of breaking bad, it was mainly the protagonist and his friend. Um, so that's how like he fell into the series. And this is a, prequel show some years it's not sure like before he met uh like Walt and jesse from breaking bad so it's more just like an origin story for that character and it's really good um i don't really know how to sell it other than like if you liked breaking bad you'll like this it's got a lot less of the um i don't know uh like Walt saying you know say my name or i'm the one who knocks it's got like fewer of those badass moments but that's not what it's going for it's going for the moments where you're like oh that's the Saul that i recognize because he doesn't start that way um like the seeds are there just like they are with Walt and breaking bad because it's a well thought out story but you you see his descent into who he becomes later and it's great so cool yeah 
Alrighty, uh, thank you. Is it on to me? It is your turn. Okay, and I have heard good things about Better Call Saul 2. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, real quick, I love everything about it except that it's a cop show. I wish it was about anything other than cops, but yeah, the characters are great, the jokes are great, I, I still enjoy it anyway. Yeah, I think if you don't... I knew it. I knew it was a six-letter um, or a, a two-syllable uh, K, K word. The zombie Korean show that I was thinking of is called Kingdom. I was thinking like Killers or something like that. I knew that wasn't it. It's called Kingdom. It's on Netflix, and it was a lot of fun. Is it subtitled or dubbed? Yes. As I think they do dubs. I did it in subtitles, okay. which is also great if you're like trying to like really not focus on being stuck at home because you have to read and watch at the same time. Um, so it's not a movie it, then? It's a series? It's a TV series, yeah. Okay. And is it done or is it still going? I don't know. Um, it ended on a nice... Uh, well, I won't say how it ended. Um, it, I guess the fact that I said I don't know means that it could go both ways. But it's uh, like... What makes it fun is that the zombies are like a background element. and Well, I mean, they're not. They're a foreground element. But it's not like uh, The Walking Dead and all the other things that came out 10 years ago. It's... It's also the time frame that sets it like to be a lot of fun because you can't radio ahead to the next city and say, oh my God, you guys, there's zombies. Um, zombies can't take, you know, they're not uh, being transported while in dormant period across plains and getting all over the world. They're basically just running up the country and there's people trying to get ahead of them. And so then, you know, they get to a new, a new town, they see this ravaging horde behind them and they try and cut them down like they do everyone else and it doesn't work. You've got to decapitate them or stab them through the head. But again, since you can't like, call the t the town that you're heading to give them that notification it's kind of just a fun thing of like how this this uh apocalypse is spreading so nice it, it's it's a lot more fun than you think for your standard zombie show third zombie show or second zombie show that is way better than it sounds so i'm going over budget is santa clarita diet <laughs> which i've pitched before it is it is amazing it's it is the same kind of humor as like community and uh better off ted um just a ton of really high quality jokes delivered like two a minute, uh, like like two jokes a minute on average probably. That show is fucking hilarious, and it is uh, without going on and on about it. I will just pitch that one. I'd pitch that over Kingdom, but Kingdom was like just the new thing I was watching. So cool. Alrighty, uh, my second thing is we've all been pitching a bunch of long-form stuff, video games that take, you know, tens of hours, entire series, so my next one is going to be something really short that you can consume in its entirety in under 45 minutes. It is uh, the album When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish, and I realize this thing has been out for about a year, but I am, again, a late adopter. Also, I was like, oh, look pop music i don't care i don't listen to the pop music really i don't listen to the radio but at some point i stumbled across uh bad guy i was like oh this is a really neat song and then um girlfriend reviews put out bass guy or bass guy rather uh which i was like oh that's hilarious and that's that one song oh i want to look up that one song now and they put you know parody of bad guy so i looked up bad guy and i thought you know what i have never in my life really liked a song and really liked an artist, and then listened to an entire album by them, and the song that I liked most was the song that gets the radio play. There's always been some other song on the album, which was my favorite, which is never played on the radio. No one else ever hears it. So I try to listen to entire albums whenever I can. So I looked at this album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Listen to it from start to finish. Oh my god. 
So it starts out with bad guy, which is, it's a bravado song, right? It's say like, hey, I'm a badass. Look at what a badass I am kind of song. And I, I'm glad you explained it because I've heard the song and I have no idea what she's talking about. So <laughs> Yeah, and I, I have a lot of fun with those kinds of songs. Like one of the reasons I loved it was because, you know, that kind of bravado, like, yeah, I'll seduce your dad, you know, kind of thing. Um, Wait, but uh, <laughs> th- that's actually one of the lines in the song. Okay, Isn't then. she 17? Uh, sure. I don't know. Great. <laughs> it's a bravado song, man. It doesn't matter. Do you think those rappers really all have huge dicks and $10 million? No. It's... Wait, they don't? Oh, God, my <laughs> worldview. I mean, maybe some of them do, and I'm sure they're all hoping to get $10 million. <laughs> but anyways, that's not the point. The point is, it's an amazing beat, and it's uh, a lot of fun. And so I keep listening, and it goes into like sort of this depression spiral, and it seems to be... It's a concept album. It seems to be like after that, she's sort of going into like these are the after effects of how I was acting before. And as you get deeper and deeper into the album, you realize, first of all, the entire concept of an album is someone putting into uh, music what it feels like to be desperately lonely all the time, which was my high school experience as well. And as you keep getting into the second half of the album, you realize that not only is desperate loneliness, but this is an album about someone who is just so in love with someone, and that person does not love them back. And it's not that that person hates them or anything, but the love is not returned. And she can't get over it, and she's trying to get over it, and she doesn't know how, and there is pain. And the whole album is just this beautiful exploration of that. And then at the very end, the last song is sort of like a quick going back up through the um, the whole album, but in reverse. And then you realize at the end that like, I'm the bad guy wasn't just a position of posturing and bravado. It was like her way of psychologically explaining why doesn't this person love me back? And it was the internalization of, I must be a bad person, which is why they don't love me. Um, which you can't get to unless you've heard the whole album first, like the way it was intended to be listened to consecutively, and then you get that reverse wrap-up at the end. It was it was beautiful, and I loved it. And also, like her voice is amazing, and the music is just really good. So if you want an entire experience in under 45 minutes, I recommend When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? I want to ping-pong on that, because... First off, that is the strongest sales pitch I've ever heard for any album ever. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I I still feel like I'm missing out on a lot for not being able to really comprehend music, so I will definitely give it a shot. The only album by like an artist that I've uh, that I don't know has uh, record like whatever awards that I've heard all the way through is um, Kesha's new album or her second newest album. Uh, I think it was Rainbow, maybe it might have been the album. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. That had like its kind of own backstory thing to it too. But to stay on Billie Eilish, um, if you're unfamiliar with her somehow, um, my first exposure to her was on SNL. She was the musical guest. And if you want to just check out the kind of the the kind of like badass chick she is, check out just YouTube SNL uh, Billie Eilish and watch her music video, her music performance on there. And it's done with some amazing visual effects that uh were a lot of fun i i'm 
stammering for words because I don't want to describe them. Just you'll watch it and be like, whoa, <laughs> and I think it'll be a good time. So she was also like one of those ones that was like a YouTube star first and then picked up by some creep who trolls YouTube for, you know, uh, attractive sounding kids or something. Huh. But um, it's uh, that was that was, I think, her her start. But she seems chill. Um, I don't know much about her and I've never heard another one of her songs. So I will check out that album for sure. Excellent. Uh, and geez. I have been I I have been deliberately pitching long stuff because we're all stuck in for more than forty five minutes. But yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, you know, music hasn't made the list yet, and that sounds fucking dope. I appreciate the the diversity of of, uh, of thinking here. It sounds really. I mean, it sold me on it, and uh, I'm a hard sell. So. Cool. Sweet. Sweet. I hope people enjoy this. Uh, my thing is. I forget if we had made rules about them like just being media or whatever, but uh, so there is a media attached to it. But um, hmm. I actually came up with more ideas of what things have I been like, what activities have I been doing? Um, I was wanting to just do a mini section on that at the end anyway, oh, okay. so I feel like this would be perfect. Well, I have a bunch to add to that, but uh, the one that I want to do like a longer dive on is the Polyphasic Sleep YouTube channel. Uh, one of the things that I have been experimenting with since I'm working from home now is I'm trying a polyphasic sleep schedule. I'm doing a everyman <laughs> where there is a 3.5 hour core sleep and then uh, three 20 minute naps dispersed throughout the day. And it cuts, well, if you're not familiar with polyphasic sleep, it is designed to try to optimize sleep for less time sleeping and then like better quality sleep this uh youtube series talks about it, it started out talking about um whether polyphasic sleep is safe because there's a lot of debate about whether you can reliably do it long term and not yeah. mess up your health and sanity i have heard that is a huge issue it definitely, I mean, sleep is very important. Uh, it's literally, like, it's how you heal and it's how you encode memories uh, into your long-term memory at the end of the day. And don't get it for long enough, you die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but also, like, more short-term, you can just start getting sick, you can gain weight, you can become depressed, uh, you can more easily get stressed out or irritable, like, it's, uh, it kind of affects everything. So, a bunch of caveats about, like, make sure you do a lot of research if you want to try experimenting with polyphasic sleep. But, I decided to try it because, first of all, it's something I've been wanting to do forever, but it just never really fit with my schedule since I tended to work well, I've always worked in offices, and, like, it's pretty irritating, actually, that offices don't have a, like, mandatory nap break at least once per day. There's mm, so much, nice. there's so much data showing that we're, first of all, like, ancestrally, we were kind of designed to sleep uh, in the middle of the day, like, around... 2 or 3 p.m. It's like your, your circadian, uh, you could watch people's circadian rhythm and like their alertness and 
everything dip right around that time, just like uh, across humans. Uh, so, so this this I, I I wanted to let you finish your sales pitch on this first, but I just have to ask like, how do you take a twenty minute nap? Because I I have found that if I like, all right, I'm tired. I'm gonna try and zonk out for a minute. I never fall asleep within twenty minutes. I fall asleep within five minutes when I go to bed at night because I'm always exhausted. But like, if I could try and schedule a nap, it never works. Yeah, so that's there's a lot of reasons why polyphasic sleep isn't for everyone. One of them is just that genetically, some people are more efficient sleepers than others. Um, but I actually could never nap like throughout my life uh, if I tried to. <laughs> I, Until you started sleeping 3.5 hours a night. <laughs> well, um, I started actually like learning how to nap. It's actually a skill you can train, which... Oh, God. <laughs> you, you think you think becoming unconscious would be something that would be really good at just doing... <laughs> For fuck's sake, brains, why can't you just be good at the things that we should all be able to do automatically? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> no, I was complaining about... You know, like, certain brain states you're in sometimes where you're just like having a ton of ideas and you're just like, if I could just take a snapshot of this brain state and then like load it when I need it. <laughs> Same thing with like calm, relaxed brain state or happy brain state or I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Trying to see him in the future. Let's get here faster. Uh, so the person who runs the YouTube channel is Crimson Flower. Uh, and he also has a discord channel that, a lot of rationalists are on. I don't know if uh, this person is in the community or not. Uh, I was under the impression he was or was adjacent. But the videos detail, first of all, like, we're talking about falsifiability. Um, a lot of the videos are, okay, so if you're going to argue that polyphasic sleep is dangerous, then you would have to prove that this is true. So, like, a bunch of the early videos, and I really appreciated this, were actually like, here's how you could falsify <laughs> this claim if you wanted to. Uh, and that was in response to a bunch of people just like constantly nonstop hearing that somebody's doing polyphasic sleep and being like, oh my god, did you hear about all the scientific studies that say you need eight hours a night? And <laughs> which, yes, there are many of, and yes, sleep is important. But uh, people don't tend to have any evidence for why they think this wouldn't work. So he's actually generously being like, if you could show that, uh, for example, there are periods of sleep that aren't one of the main categories of like deep sleep, REM sleep, the other ones that I'm blanking on, there's just these kind of like dead periods where you're kind of just unconscious. Um, they don't seem to serve any purpose. And a lot of what polyphasic sleep cycles try to do is cut those out and just get the parts of sleep that are doing something restorative. Some people think that it's kind of like a Chesterton Spence thing. Like, we don't know what these are doing, so cut them out at your own peril. And I, I, I usually go back to the default that I've seen people try to do it before, and every time I've seen someone try to do it, it's always ended in disaster. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it just... It seems that this is sort of a hard limitation with the current biological bodies we got, but if you manage to make it work, I would be very interested in hearing that. Yeah, I'm on, like, day two, so I'll let you know how it goes. Um, 
usually with the everyman cycle, there's a period of it feeling really great for like a week, it feeling pretty shitty for the next week, and then it's slowly starting to feel great again. So I'm expecting that. Um, uh, yeah, I will link to both the YouTube and the Discord. Alrighty. Yeah, that certainly sounds interesting. I'm glad you guys are outside the box on, like, I was thinking, like, TV and video games, so perfect. I was struggling yeah. to come up with, like, what fun things am I doing? Because most of what I have been doing is work and then, like, projects. I'm like, have <laughs> people having fun. I built, I'm building two <laughs> bikes. <laughs> mm, two bikes? Well, I'm building, I'm repairing a motorcycle, and I put together a... Uh, fixie bike that i got on amazon which is a oh okay okay fixed gear bike cool well uh do we want to do a couple listener feedbacks before we wrap up uh i think so <laughs> yeah sure cool uh this one is uh addressed to me and this was back when uh, I mentioned that Polak is the Polish word for a Polish person, and I don't see why we can't reclaim that. Uh, here's why. Bartek says, uh, Inesh said he wants to reclaim Polak as the normal meaning Polish person. As I'm Polish myself, I want to tell you, please don't. Firstly, it's been used negatively even in the 2000s, and still sometimes maybe used this way, in the UK, since there was a lot of Polish immigration there. More important, even discarding prior negative usage, it sounds cringy as fuck. Do you ever say, I was in Spain and I partied with the Españoles? The speaker would sound like a weirdo trying to signal knowing the language while clearly not knowing the language. Pole is fine, lots of words are weird and can mean multiple things. And I guess, okay, if there's an actual person like, I mean, I'm of Polish ancestry, but I don't have any really exposure to any of that. And if real people from Poland are like, don't do this, it's stupid, then <sighs> all right. I didn't know it was still being used negatively and all that too. It was easy enough to disregard your parents because they're old fuddy-duddies, but exactly. it's, yeah, if it's topical, then yeah. yeah. I don't know. Isn't that what Fair reclaiming enough. is about, though? Like, it's literally taking something that has a has, has been used as a slur, has negative connotations, and, like, the word bitch is something that you can now say, like, wow, you're, like, you're a badass bitch, or uh, whatever. Like, yeah. It's still used pejoratively as well, but it used to be literally, apparently, uh... I don't have, like, really solid sources for this, but apparently it was considered a much worse word than whore in, I think, Victorian era. Like, it's it I mean, the I, worst thing I remember bitch was considered. I remember bitch was considered really bad even when I was a kid. It was, like, the B word, and you did not say that ever. I feel like now it's, like, kind of on the level of crap where it's only barely a curse word. Yeah. Maybe it's not quite as we've had to. We've had to move on to other more bad words <laughs> because it's been yeah reclaimed so much so yeah i don't know and i know that queer used to be entirely just negative and now it just means you know queer that one has been used as a pejorative but then there's also a bunch of people that are that, that, that there's a really complicated thing around that that i could explain if you care but it's okay re really quick um turfs or trans exclusive radical feminists i believe are theorized to be the people spreading this misinformation because there's people who are gay or lesbian uh who don't like the word queer because it's an umbrella term and it can be used okay. to include people that don't fall into the categories that they think are the real uh people that belong in the lgbtq 
fold or whatever. All so right. people were spreading misinformation about queer. Queer is like this horrible insult, and it triggers me when I hear it. Uh, <laughs> and now people are using it. Like, well, actually, like if you go back in early, like, like literally, it's called queer theory, and it's been called queer theory for a pretty long time, and it is. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I mean, queer as... hasn't been a bad word since like what the fifties. It's it's like it's still used pejoratively, but like. It also was used as like a descriptor, uh, a self-descriptor, or yeah, as like it. a you know something positive. So I've heard it used pretty much only as a as a positive thing. Like, yeah, I'm queer. I'm here and I'm queer and I'm proud. I'm like particularly pro that word existing because somebody who doesn't know how they identify yet, or who identifies as something but is closeted because like their family would disown them if they came out or it would be like socially disadvantageous can use it to still signal that they belong to this community without necessarily like outing themselves that way or nailing down their identity that was longer than i wanted to make that somebody else talk about (laughs) something uh we have another piece of feedback from william eden uh, William Eden is one of our generous supporters and says, the reason I wanted to support you guys is that the general error around rationality is something like criticism and attack, which I didn't realize it is, but it okay, is. maybe it is some in some places. Okay. I have a story. And, <laughs> I'll tell okay. you after the quote or the feedback. Okay. okay. And I love the podcast for the moment I first listened because you seem to genuinely and enthusiastically like rationality. It's kind of sad and crazy that that's a distinguishing characteristic, but there it is. I both wanted to support the creation of a community public good and specifically support your positive and inspiring message to the community. Uh, So I'm very happy about that. I think that even though I have struggled with depression most of my life, it is, um, I have a lot of fun doing this and I just feel better when I am like excited and positive about things. So that's basically the energy I always try to um, put forward whenever I am in a public place and it makes me happier to do that, so I guess this is just sort of a, a side effect of who I am and who I choose to be around. But uh, if he likes that, that is great. I'm very happy about that, and I am surprised that, that there's this thing about criticism and attack rather than enthusiasm. And you said you have some more information about that? Yeah, or I was going to say I have an anecdote. Um, okay. Although uh, I want to start by saying thank you for supporting us, William Eden, and also that was a really great message. Um yeah, it was. It made me feel really good. I, yeah. I want to third that, and then... Sorry, go ahead, Jace. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I remember actually reading this feedback when I was going through, uh, like, mini depressive episode thing, and that making me feel good. And any uh to what you were saying, uh, one of... I think this is science-based, and then, like, I'm kind of laughing because we're talking about people calling things science-based earlier um but one of the efficacious uh ways of mitigating depression is by doing things that make other people happy like helping others helps you more than doing (laughs) things that are good for yourself i guess yeah Yeah. wow that was awkwardly phrased (laughs) it's the following i've heard that i'm not i'm not adjusted yet (laughs) (laughs) I hear it just keeps getting worse. Uh, but no, that, that is a thing that I have heard. 
<laughs> okay. That I have heard constantly that uh, getting that making other people's lives better is the best way to be happy. Yeah, and I found this to be the case. Like moving to moving from a like money oriented career to values oriented careers, like really impacted my sense of having worth and having a reason to get up in the morning and yeah um anyway the little anecdote that i had was that oh man some of them are probably listening to it now there's a discord group that uh is made up of a bunch of denver locals who did meet up things in person before covid and now they're doing a bunch of web-based meetup things it, it's actually um really cool they have like a bunch of different channels for learning new skills or teaching other people new skills like uh, stuff like that sharing media whatever advice but um so phoenix and i are both on there and i think it phoenix posted something uh scott alexander's in response to somebody asking a question about oh it was irbs <laughs> somebody had uh, mentioned an irb and phoenix is like Oh, you should read this and posted the my IRB nightmare, and a bunch of people jumped oh. on it. They're like, Scott Alexander, isn't he that neo-Nazi guy? <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, I heard that he believes these things, and that whole community is full of people that are just like sheltering Nazis, and I forget what other things they were accusing the community of. And then, of course, like when Felix and I were like, actually, I've had really great experiences with this community, and I think that's a mischaracterization. They, like, went on what well, we thought at first it was Rational Wiki, because, like, we know that that's kind of a garbage pile, but <laughs> sorry if mm -hmm. you contribute to Rational Wiki, any listeners, but... Uh... I'm not. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. But even the, like, real Wikipedia article, somebody should really edit it, because it kind of is a biography of Eliezer Yukowski, and then it talks about Roko's Basilisk, and then it, like, mentions that rationality was the birthplace of the neo-reaction movement and that's like <laughs> the bulk of the information <laughs> holy shit <laughs> it does like to be fair also mention after the neo-reaction thing oh yeah and effective altruism <laughs> <laughs> As, like, oh a, my god yeah uh so uh the people that know that the rationality community exists seem to have this idea that it's a bunch of self-aggrandizing tech bros who think they're smarter than everybody else and are racist and whatever else, whatever other things bad people do. Well, uh, I, and that made me sad. I guess I don't, I suppose I technically should be sad. I just have a really hard time caring. I'm like, my community is great and you guys can go be miserable in your community <laughs> of haters. If you want, yeah, but they're a good community. Bye. It's just that there's, like, misinformation uh, out there. And it makes me sad because people... That misinformation had to come from, like, some bitter people, though, right? Like... I think it's just political. Um, I remember a lot of instances of people coming across less wrong, finding something that looked like it belongs to the opposite political party, and then immediately like casting a distrustful eye on it and trying to pick every like look up you know like what's the list of all the bad things that people in this community have done aha i knew it they're bad yeah i i do 
I do particularly love that Scott Alexander every now and then does get in called in all seriousness a neo-Nazi, and we're like, you know, he lost relatives in the Holocaust. Yeah. Like this is this is not a okay sure whatever you say he is he is the most Nazi of all the neo Nazis. Well, it still reminds me of like the kind of witch hunting that went on in uh, Tumblr, where one of my favorite artists and writers actually like changed careers and left Tumblr because they got branded uh, transphobic, uh, like Nazi supporting. Oh, what was the other thing? I don't know. Anyway, they're, they're transgender and they're Jewish. <laughs> oh my god. And... Dude, remember when Lacey Green was like, you know, became the, the all trans Tumblr people hate her for some reason? This is partly, I think, why I, it's hard for me to ever try the show Steven Universe because this might be related to one of these two people that you're talking about might be the person who like did some fan art and the, per, the character they drew wasn't fat enough or something and they got like doxxed, they got like death threats yeah. and you should kill yourselves out the wazoo and it's like sorry i am new to drawing like yeah, but that's that's a toxic community you can't blame steven universe for that it's a good show yeah that's another thing that makes no no sure, for sure but uh, oh, i know it's just it's i think it's kind of like what people see when they you know come across the wikipedia page of rationality and they're like oh that's not for me so i'll mm-hmm. see like the the fandom for a show and be like oh this thing looks like it's terrible um, if these are the kind of people that like it, right? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure. I'm, I hear it's great. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It is really good. I, I also love it. Yeah. Uh, if you're into the like, very positive. That's yeah. That's one of the things I love about it. It's just relentlessly positive and optimistic, and I would, I would watch it to feel better about the world. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. If you're Don't get me wrong. I need to give it a shot. It's just like I said. It sounds. It. It just. It. The. Uh, the exposure I had to at first was through that. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's this show that a bunch of fucking lunatics like because look at what they did to this poor person for not being a good enough artist. Yeah, and... but you watch Rick and Morty too, and Rick and Morty is also loved by a bunch of fucking lunatics. Absolutely, so don't get me wrong. It, it, but because the, the causal order happened the other way with Rick and Morty uh, for me, okay, I was able it. to be like, oh, this show is hilarious. And then you go online and be like, oh, wow, a bunch of lunatics like this show, but they're all idiots. <laughs> I know that it's fine and but funny. But they're not all idiots. And I can appreciate like, it for the right reasons. The reason I keep saying that this is sad is that, like, uh, to use Steven Universe as an example, like, there was a good friend of mine uh, that I ran into at an anime convention, and we were both cosplaying, and I was cosplaying a Steven Universe character, and they were like, oh, uh, that's a great cosplay, but I refuse to watch that show because I don't want to be associated with those people. And I was like, but it's a good oh, show, and you're missing out by not seeing it. In fact, you particularly, I think, would like this for particular reasons that, like, I don't know. Uh, so I was just thinking about, man, the fact that this person cares, first of all, about the signaling thing. Like, I think that that's something that people worry about that if I get into this rationality community, I'll be associated with these bad people, even if the ideas are good, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, like these are, this is a really great, uh, uh, discord group and these people are really intelligent. <laughs> uh, and they would, I think, get a lot of value out of actually reading sequences or reading slate star codex, but they probably won't because they, you know what's rationality well it's uh where the you know where they shelter nazis and make up thought experiments about basilisks and hmm. it's where tech bros go to be all bro like 
Well, that sucks. Yeah, we're such a bro community. If Dude. I had to find one one word to describe it, that'd be it. <laughs> we're always going to the gym and getting swole. It is a somewhat white male dominated. I think that also turns people off. There's not much you can do about that though, other than like just trying to be accessible, which I think it is, right? Like if it just happens to be where 15 years ago there are more white dudes reading crap online than there were, uh, I don't know, other groups of people, which may or may not be the case. Like, I remember that was a problem with the oh, skeptic well, movement, too. I mean, too. the internet just... used to be largely white dudes. That's yeah. my point. So, like, if, if something started on the internet, it, that might just be, like, sort of just the the way it's going to land until things get going. Um, it's, like, I, I think unless your group has, like, a specific message that says, no, we want to stay all white dudes, then I I don't really know what how to address that problem, right? That is a hard problem. Um, I also think it's somewhat interesting that, you know, the fact that white men like something automatically means it's probably bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing that people see and, you know, they back away from the community a bit. I mean, Annie Asher, yeah, also like... somebody who will occasionally rail on how white men are ter- terrible and ruin everything. Well, I think it's more about how I have um, very complicated issues with men but it's not white men for me it's just all men (laughs) hashtag not all men uh the hashtag yes all men god damn it (laughs) (laughs) but no not really not it's like i said it's a it's a complicated thing which maybe some other day we can not get into honestly like when steven's like yeah but how do you get like minorities into your group i was like well we could just like drive around in vans and just start abducting people off the street. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what gives rationalism a bad name. I mean, at least there's some outside the box thinking for me, other than saying like we have a, you know, than having an open, an open uh, door policy. We have cookies. I, I, yeah. Like I, I I realize that there are more specific, like concentrated outreach things that people can do. Like if we had national meetups, we could give, uh, um, you know, if you checked enough boxes that weren't white man, you could come in for free or something. It would pay for your flight or whatever. But that... Uh, well, that's mixed with, like, tokenism. I don't know. Exactly, right? It's one of those right? no-win so, so scenarios where either it, you're it, being... I'm throwing my hands up, but people can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I don't know how to solve that problem. I mean, there's probably, like I said, I think outreach is something that people are knowledgeable about that aren't me, but I don't you really know how to you shouldn't, solve you that problem. If you didn't want this to be a problem, you shouldn't have been so white and so male, Stephen. Yeah, well, you know, when I was when I was building my character sheet, I I picked the uh, uh, the stats that oh, fuck, I, I picked the generic I can't, character. I can't finish the joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've gotten pretty far afield, and we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, were we still gonna talk about activities, or do you want to save that for another time? At this point, we should probably hold on to that for some other time. Okay. Works for me. Yeah, yeah, that works. I guess in a sentence, I can just say, make sure you get up from your desk and move around once in a while. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I at least, you know, all my stuff's downstairs, like, food-wise. So if I have to get up and do something, at least I have to, you know, go up and downstairs, which is a nice way to stay, mo- you know, in motion. Uh, yeah. Third. I had um, yeah. killer back pain, lower, like, lumbar spine back pain and hip flexor things for, like, a month and a half. And since working from home, uh, since I am not sitting in an office chair for eight hours staring at a computer screen, I mean, I'm still sitting and staring at a computer screen because I'm working, but 
I can sit cross-legged on the floor, uh, or I can, like, sit on my wobble cushion. That's another recommendation. I'm going to stick that in the recommendations pile. Get a wobble cushion. It's like, you know, there's ball chairs that you can sit on. It's like that, except mm-hmm. it's in cushion form. So you can put it on your chair. Huh. And you still can, like, strengthen your lower back with it and fidget by moving around, and it's good. Good life hack. Cool. Uh, yeah. I will take for note so of that because I could use something like that. Just being able to get up and play a round of Beat Saber in between answering a bunch of queries or like go walk in the kitchen and like pre-make a few meals for the next day or just like get up, stretch, <laughs> change positions. Uh, my back pain is like virtually gone. Nice. Like <laughs> very quickly. And the thing is I was trying everything. Like I, I bought all these like fancy chair insert things and I was getting I was paying for massages I was doing like back stretches I got like pain salves and patches and just not sitting in an office chair was was the solution of course and I'm kind of torn about not like wanting to go back to work in the office because of the back pain but also dude the pain is a serious issue the isolation for for most yeah. jobs if, if you're having uh comfort issues that are impacting your work you can get the office to accommodate that and you know like there's no reason you couldn't buy one of those those butt cushions for your own chair but there's also a great reason that you can get your office to pay for it i have um kind of been i've had on my task list for many months now make a standing desk and I've made like incremental progress towards that. I got monitorizers that should work. And then I was kind of like at the step of, okay, I should research what shoes I should wear and stuff. And then I just like didn't because other stuff kept taking priority. I made my own standing desk like real cheap. There was a, uh, God, I don't know, like maybe $40 and it works pretty nice. Yeah. No, I, I think I, mean, I can not just fancy, but... put my stuff on monitorizers and then I just have to. I just have to do it. <laughs> mm. And now I have more motivation if we ever end up like unquarantining to actually do that. Yeah. Sorry for that tangent. Well, no, that's good. I think that's that's all good advice. I'm sure there's all kinds of guides and stuff around people can best, you know, uh, set up a home office to be comfortable and stuff. But um, yeah, other than that, I hope that this was a nice bit of positivity that wasn't uh, totally dwelling on how shitty everything is right now. So and give, give people some ideas of things to do to fill some time. So if you guys have any ideas and want to share them, you can join you can join the community at the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord. And by all means, throw them in the episode chat for this episode or wherever it feels appropriate. And uh, I mean, there's even a channel on there for COVID-19 panic. Maybe we can make another one for COVID-19, like, chill. And we'll have, all the, we'll have all the fun shit that people are doing. That actually sounds like a great idea. That should happen. That will happen. That'll be done soon. So, well, we have a chill corner. We do. That's that's true. Yeah. All right. We could just rename it. Hey, we don't need another until one. Until COVID is over. <laughs> so it's gone forever. In any case, yeah. It's never if you get bored at home too, there's also the Discord to chat with us and other people on. And uh, um, other than that, oh, I guess do we want to thank a patron? We should. And I guess since we already mentioned him, do we want to thank uh, William Eden? Oh yeah. I think that sounds appropriate. Okay. Well, William Eden, thank you. Not only did you make us feel better and happier as as people for for saying that we help you out like that you also help us financially 
which is a thing that just keeps happening every time we put out an episode. And actually, the last time we had, because uh, we, we I, I pay us all basically every six months. The last time it was a decent amount. It was like previously it had been enough, you know, to buy a dinner or two. But uh, yeah, it's like a side we got gig. to the point where it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like n- nothing to live off of. But I, I saw the check and I was like, hey, hey this ain't bad. So that was. It pays better than a bill. It's it's yeah. awesome. It was a nice and... thing and. We appreciate the nice things that you guys can do for us. Uh, we in do. In this case, specifically William Eaton. <laughs> and and on that note, not to totally contradict that, but if you're in the position at all where like you're one of the many millions of people who don't have jobs right now and you're trying to cut corners, uh, by all by all means, let this be a corner you cut. We'd love for you to, for you to come back if when you know employment resumes and stuff. But don't be sitting there thinking, oh man, how am I going to pay my Patreon dues to the Bayesian Conspiracy? Uh, if your if your budget is tight, uh, I am making this declaration without consulting my co-hosts because I feel that strongly about it. How dare um, you, Stephen? No, I totally agree. Don't, don't get don't don't let yourself get fucked over by uh, you know trying to throw us money. So um, if like I said, if it's an, if it's an amount of money that you're noticing missing, uh, especially in these trying times, please don't worry about it. We will understand. So. Yeah, and if you still want to give back but don't have the money, you could just participate in the Discord or subreddit or you could tell a friend uh you could leave a review at uh, itunes or stitcher one of those places all right well thank you everybody and we'll see you in two weeks yep wash your hands y'all take care